Well, good morning, church. Isn't it great to be here? It is good to come together and worship God, me in God's presence, to settle into the ancient story of our salvation, the wonder of our rescue. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, it doesn't matter what you're doing right now. Whatever has gone on in your life, no matter how people have hurt you, no matter your success or your sorrow, your victory or your shame, it doesn't matter. You are welcome here. Because it's Christ Jesus Himself who welcomes you. And so we do too. He paid too great a price for us to reject anybody. He calls us to love everyone. Because of what happened on the day so long ago. God rescued us from sin and from death. I uh, usually will end a sermon with, uh, with an invitation, and uh, I want to go ahead and kind of offer one now. That, you know, if, if God calls to you today, we're, we're usually during a worship service somewhere we have an invitation where if you want to come share what's going on in your life, you do that. Um, The elders are going to be doing readings today, so you'll see those men. And if you have trouble in your life that you need the church to deal with, uh, if you want to write it down on one of those pieces of paper that we put in the communion trays and leave it on the seat, it'll get picked up. The church will pray for it. The elders will pray for it. Grab one of those guys and tell them what's going on. But today's sermon, uh, I'm not going to end with an invitation. I'm going to end with a prayer. Um. So that'll be one way that the sermon's a little unusual. Another way is that I don't usually preach on a single verse. I usually preach on a lot of verses, and I take a long time. <laughs> so I hope you're settled in. Uh, <laughs> this morning I want to deal with one verse, and I want to do it in answer to a question. I had uh, someone in, in just last week ask me, why did God do all that? Why the bloody, horrible death? Why did it have to be so awful? Why the soldiers pounding thorns into his son's head? What kind of God does that? It's not the first time I've heard that question. The hardest time I ever heard it was at the deathbed of my father. He found himself, as he was approaching death, wrestling with who God is and saying, I don't understand it, Ethan. I don't understand I mean, I know it's important that he did it, but I don't know why he did all that stuff. Why would he do that? It's a good question, isn't it? I mean, if God decided he wanted to forgive somebody, couldn't he, couldn't he just forgive them? But then I think about all the times that when I want to, say, you know, one of my kids and I have a falling out, or Ashley and I have a fight, and how I have to kill somebody in order to make things right between us. Generally, that's not the way it works. If God, if God just wanted to forgive us, couldn't He just forgive us? Why all the blood? Why all the gore? Or if He wanted to make some obligation on us, couldn't He have just said, okay, lay a broom on the ground, run around it three times, and you'll be forgiven. And if you don't do that, you haven't obeyed, and you won't be forgiven. Why did Christ have to go through those grueling events on Thursday and Friday? Why be betrayed by one of his friends, somebody he loved, and who had he had every reason to believe loved him. Why that betrayal, that hurt, that pain? 
Why the arrest? And the beating that happens in connection to that. And the night in jail, probably a sleepless night. Why the trials that are so unfair and unjust? And you say you get a speeding ticket, and you come in front of the judge, and the judge says, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think you've proven your case. That you're not speeding, so I'm going to let you go. And a hundred people in the courtroom go, no, no, throw him in jail. And the judge goes, okay. You're going to be a little bummed, right? Why this sham of a trial that's so unfair? The judge knows you haven't done anything. I don't find anything worthy of death. And then, but kill him anyway. And the beating, the horrible, horrifying, violent beating where that whip falls on his back again and again and again, tearing away skin until his blood falls like rain. Why do that? Why the nails? Why the crown of thorns? The thing that represents the curse getting beaten down onto his head. Why do this stuff? Why did he have to die? I told you I was going to deal this morning with one verse, and this is it. What Paul, this is, comes from Romans chapter 3, verse 26, if you want to look. What Paul has just been talking about is the death of Christ. That bloody, violent death of Jesus. And he says, it was to show His righteousness. It is to prove that God is a good person. God is good. How does that work? Because, you know, if, if I want to prove to you what a good person I am, hurting my son doesn't seem to be the best means to demonstrate my goodness, does it? Why did he do this? The answer is in the next clause. So that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God's got to be just and he wants to be justifier. The question, why can't we just run around a broom or something? Or, why did it have to, if Jesus got to die as a sacrifice, okay, I get it, but why can't he just like go off behind a barn and fall down dead? Why does he have to be on public display? Why does he have to be humiliated and shamed? Why a torturous death? Why does it have to be that? Because God must be just. God must be just. Sin is awful. For the most part, human beings have this category sin in our head if we've got it at all because we've been told that it's there. But it's hard to get our heads around just how bad sin actually is. You know, we wouldn't know that we were sinners if it wasn't revealed to us. If we weren't told that we were sinners, we might come to terms with the fact that there's something wrong in the world. There's something wrong. We might even come to terms with the idea that there's something wrong with me. But how does our world tend to classify that now? Sickness? Dysfunction? Bad behavior? You know, addiction? But sin's kind of fallen out of vogue of explaining it all. It's very easy to say, okay, the reason that there's something wrong in the world is those other people are such jerks. I mean, clearly there's, there's monsters in the world. Obviously, there's war, there's rape, there's a... But, but in me? But Scripture says, oh yeah, absolutely. The whole race participates in this thing. 
Adam introduced it. Everyone of his kids since have done it. All of us. And what sin is, is this knowledge of good and evil and thinking that I can secure my own good life and I can avoid bad things. And so I do every bad thing that I do because of those two realities. I think, you know, well, this will make me happy. I'm going to go get it. And I don't care who it hurts to get there. Or that's a dangerous threat. I'm, not, I'm going to make sure that I overcome and I'm going to run away or I'm going to break it. And if I've got to crush you to keep you from hurting me, I will. That's sin. And it's so alien from what we were supposed to be. Because we are designed to be those who love. With absolute self-giving love. We aren't even designed to think of ourselves. To try and get good for myself? That's not what I'm for. I'm supposed to count on God and other people to supply me with good. And you know, if everybody's doing that, it works really well. Within the Trinity, it still works. It would work but we're sinners. So we do all kinds of horrible things. And that sickness goes to the bone and into the marrow. It is all the way through us. And it, it makes us less than what we were meant to be. In fact, polluted, broken, destroyed, and useless. If you're supposed to be something that loves, and instead you're something that's selfish, huh, And what Scripture tells me is that the result of that is death. The day that we enter into that, we enter into death and we proceed towards death every day for the rest of our existence because that's in us. So the only way out of this thing is death. And in fact, if God wants to be just, He needs to demonstrate just how awful this stuff is. We need a kind of shock therapy because for the most part we tend to think, hey, I'm a pretty decent fellow. Sure, I mess up. And sure, but everybody does. And it's really not that big a deal. And then we stand at the foot of the cross and we see what God did. And we see God saying, no. You need rescue. You need salvation. The only thing that explains that is the justice of God. And God saying, their mess demands this. Not just death. He can't die of old age. But a bloody, ignominious, ugly, violent death. Because that's what sin demands. And what Christ is doing is He's stepping into sin to take it away. He takes it with Him to the cross. He Himself, who never participated in it, not even once, He didn't ever seek His own good. He didn't ever try to destroy somebody because they were a threat. He never does it. So He never participated in the awful, evil things that we do. He trusted His Father. He trusted His God. And He was just good to everybody. Always good. And so He could go to the cross without sin and draw it to Himself. Pull away from us what's in us. But in order to take care of sin, it's got to be ugly. Because we have to come to terms with the fact that I did that. When I look at Him, when I see Him, I did that. This is me He's saving. I did that. And, And the only fair thing is that. 
But now how is it just, how is it fair that it should fall on Him instead of me? Because I did all that mess. He didn't. Why should He take it and I don't? Because He's just a fire. If my son gets a speeding ticket when he's 16... You know, if he were to drive right now, he'd get all kinds of tickets because he's 12. <laughs> but if he gets a speeding ticket when he's 16, chances are good the person will be paying. And by the way, Isaac, this is not licensed to speed, okay? He's giving me the thumbs up. But the chances are good that the person who will be paying it is me. Why? Because I can't. He can't. In fact... <laughs> That would be true of anything that I could do. And I won't protect him from everything. That's bad parenting, right? You know, we have to grow into our consequences. We have to deal with trouble. But when Isaac was bitten by a dog and it took off the tip of his nose, first thing I asked the doctor was, can you take the skin from me? If he needs this, can you take mine, please? Please don't hurt my boy anymore. He's already hurt bad enough. Don't let him be hurt again. Please, take it, take it from me. Now, as it turns out, he, you know, they said no. It would have to be his or reject. And, but as it turned out, he didn't need it. But I came to understand the concept of justifier that day in a real big way. Because God says, you can't pay this. And I don't want you to hurt anymore. I love you so much that I'll pay it. I will take it all. All of the penalty. Let it fall on me because I can do it. And you can't. If it comes on you, then you'll be destroyed by it. But I won't. So I will pay the just penalty for your crime. I will take it all. Let it all fall on me. All of its viciousness. All of its ugliness. And so that you can be convinced that I actually have paid it, I will drink the cup. I will drink it down to the dregs. I will take the last bit of violence. All the hate. All the ugliness. All the blood. All the beating. All the shame. All the pain. I will wear that crown of thorns. Let it all fall on me. Everything that should happen to me happened to Him. So that it could be just... And then he carried it all into the tomb and he left it there. He left it behind. That's paid. Bill stamped, paid. Done. Finished. Justice is served. And then he left it behind and he came out of it. He rose up from the grave. He left our sin there, but he doesn't leave us there. He says, come with Me and live. And I love you so much, I want to make it all right. I will fix it all. You don't think you can fix it? Guess what? You're right. You can't make make right what you've made wrong. But He already has. Out of His great love, You have never become less than in His eyes. Even at your most self-protective, even at your most viciously destructive, you have never been less than lovable. He's always wanted you. 
Your sin is as ugly as the cross, but His love for you is as beautiful as the resurrection. He is just. He won't wink at you and say it's no big deal. He won't. But He's just a fire. He'll enter into the violence Himself and let it all fall on Him so that He can rescue you from that. That's why. Why did He do this? Because you can't, and He can. Because you're worth it. Because He loves you. Because sin is that terrible, and that destructive, and it's killing you. But He can give you life. He can bear it. He won't pretend it's not bad. He's just. But He won't say that you're bad. Because He's just a fire. That's our God. Why did He do this? Because He's wonderful. Happy Easter. Let us pray together. Great God in heaven, we praise You because of Your wondrous love. Father, You, you, didn't, you weren't required by anything to do all this except by the great love that You have. You did all this because You are amazing. And Father, we are, we are horrified by the ugliness of the cross. And we are broken hearted that we participated in its necessity. God, we celebrate the wonder of who You are. And pray that the resurrection would continue to be at work in us. Father, lead us out of sin and into life to the power of what Jesus has done. Amen.